Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Hello, my friend. Oh, hello. Oh, hello to you. Happy season three day to you. Happy new season to you too. Isn't this yes. exciting? This is the first time we're we're recapping almost almost live. Yes, a show that we've only seen less than twenty four hours ago for me. That's true. Same. Yeah. I also saw it well very recently as well. Twice. Did you watch? Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes, you watched we it twice. We watched it we just, twice. Because yeah. we're in Well, we like... Well, we wanted to get all of the, the good stuff. Make sure that we'd, we'd right. seen it properly. That's right. It had to be seen properly. Okay, so welcome, you folks out there and anyone listening hereafter, to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. and heretofore, we've only discussed past episodes, but now we are current. We are talking, we are part of what is happening now. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Well, we're going to control ourselves. First and foremost, Steph. Yes. How did you feel about the episode? <gasps> I loved it. It was just, it felt really fresh and really new. Yeah. Like you had this, and plus obviously you're in, there was a conscious effort that you're 930 years into the future and then there was just all of these new things Yes, to look I at. I thought they did that super well. Mm. Like we think of Star Trek as super futuristic and then they made what we think of as futuristic seem old. Yeah. In a cool way. Well, because, you know, it was that literal thing of here's an antique, here's a tricorder antique. Right. So yeah, all of the things was, that we know of are all yeah. old. Well, yeah, there's and there's a lot of lines where they like where Book calls her like a rocket girl and so on and so forth, like just referencing her like an arcan an arcanity, arcanity, our antiquity mm. to her uh to her, including, as we will get to, the Federation itself Indeed. is antiquated and rare. Um, yeah, I too loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And it was also very classic Trek. I mm. feel like they didn't, uh, even though it's cereal and my face is on your cup. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this, it's on, my face is also on my cup too. Yes. Your face, is, your face is turned inward mm. and my face t- is turned out. Uh, I thought it was great. And it had like, and a lot of uh, adventure and hijinks for a first episode, did it not? It did. There was a part of it that felt like it. There was a lot of Star Wars to it. Oh, a ton! I a actually ton wrote a bunch about this. Okay. Uh, and I, you know I, what? I feel bad saying that, but like, no, I thought I thought they used the right parts of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was like. I don't think they tried to be like here. Here's a magical force that moves through nature and stuff, but like. In terms of having like rogue and going to the marketplace and exactly. dealing with baddies and a fight on the run and other things, I noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought they used that well, and and it like started the season with a tone of excitement, and there's weight to it as well, but also like a lot of humor. Yes, there was. Yeah, there was. Yeah. There was. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Aki, what should we do? Should we run? Should we run it down a little bit? It's time to run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Yeah, we'll tell you what just happened. Season three just happened all over. I guess we're going to take this in chunks. That's my idea. I don't know if this will work. And if we go, if we decide to go off the rails, staff, we go off the rails. That's what happens, you know? The, the, that hope is you. 
uh, I loved the opening sequence. Before we even get to yes. what we thought was the opening sequence, we get this extra opening sequence because they had they had teased the part yep. with Michael crashing into Book Ship, but we didn't. This whole thing with um, the dude Aditya, mm. mm-hmm. uh, where it's just him waking up every day at eight o'clock, and he's got that sweet bird alarm clock, which I immediately was Me like, too. I want that. <laughs> and it was different colors every day. Just cool. Yeah, it was a different color every day. And, you know, you just kind of like wave your hand, but it wakes you up with a bird, a bird yeah. song. And then his like gets up and his bed disintegrates into the floor and then comes the mirror comes out and he laser brushes his teeth, maybe, or something. And then the, the desk comes up out of the thing, and then he just sits there or he gets like fully dressed. Mm-hmm. And he puts like a little Starfleet briefcase on the desk. And he sits there and he opens up the thing and it says searching for signals and there are no signals. And he's just sitting there. And I thought it was really cool because A, it gives you like, whoa, the technology is hip. You know, this is not like, this is way cooler than phasers. It also gives you a sense of like solitude. Mm, And devotion. And devotion. Duty. It's it's got both. It's like both hopeful and, and dutiful, but also like every day for this guy is the same. Because they kept showing the bird yep. different and waking up different, brushing his teeth different. But every day he sits down at that desk and searches for signals. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And that was like a little, we sort of knew it had to be the future mm-hmm. at that point. And then we get into the action. And so we we begin, we meet Book or Booker, Cleveland Booker. Cleveland Booker. Uh, it's uh, in media res. We meet them in the middle of the action. He's being chased by some guy named Cosmo and they're flying and Cosmo's like doing, and this was another like very Star mm. Warsy moment. It was like a Han Solo moment and he's like stolen cargo. It's a very Han Solo thing. And he's like, dude, and he's like smart talking the guy that's mm-hmm. chasing him. But he's also like, it seems like he seems like he's a bad guy, but for some reason he also seems kind of like a good guy. He does one point say like, uh, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to itself. Yes. You know, making you aware that maybe what the, what they're fighting over might be like mm-hmm. a living thing. And what I noticed specifically about the visuality in terms of Star Wars is that uh, Booker's book ship is super mm-hmm. asymmetrical, very Millennium yes. Falcon style. Like either you're all on it's all on one side, and then it's like weirdly yeah. sleek on the other side. And he's like flying it himself. And anyway, he comes up to the space time anomaly that is Michael coming through. Uh, and they crash into each other, and they cause each other both to plummet onto the planet Heme. And uh, and this, that's another beautiful shot that I wrote down. I loved it when they were both yep, like spiraling, the spiraling clouds down into the thing. How could Michael, who, you know, in comparison to that ship, is a tiny little blip, bring down that ship? I, I thought that was a little bit somewhat far-fetched. It was a bit. I, I Having watched it the second time, I was like, Oh, she's moving at maybe yeah interdimensional speeds, so or something, or maybe there's like a isn't there some sort of weird um, field around her? Because that's the only way a human can withstand the time jump that her mother there. mentioned. Anyway, I came up with a billion excuses. Okay, but here's a <laughs> the point is it's not realistic. So when she was crashing, you saw her kind of go through the debris of a ship. Which looked very mm-hmm. sort of circular and somewhat Discovery-like. So I felt like as that was happening, you're yeah. like, oh no, did Discovery get here first? Or I think that was part, and I should have watched again and looked to see if you could see the call sign on it. I looked, you can't. Okay. Well, we know from the other, from the this in this season of Discovery that Discovery is mm. around. But it was definitely debris of a seemingly a Starfleet ship. And definitely a saucer section. But I'm guessing that if she was truly traveling at speed, she was moving through the space-time continuum. We don't know if she had actual velocity, but we're assuming that she did. And also, what it's it's fine, it's, even if they weren't at ballistic speeds. So uh, I think that maybe after the, quote, burn, when all the dilithium exploded in the warp reactors, spoiler alert if you haven't seen episode spoiler one of season alert. three. We should spoiler make that disclaimer. Alert. You must watch Star Trek. <laughs> discovering before you listen to this show you should watch uh like every you should watch every of the last two seasons of star trek discovery and hey listen to this podcast if you want to know what's up because otherwise 
you're going to be confused because it truly everything begins in the middle of things yeah. here in season three. Catch up. Well, okay. So when they crash, we get like Michael wait. I really loved yet another scene where Michael's in a suit flying through space out of control and things are scary. She has to do a hard reboot of the suit while, yeah, plummeting through the atmosphere. It was terrible. Yes. <laughs> if we, if I hadn't, yeah, like I mean, it was just a scary moment, but I, I was yeah. so tense that I was thinking to myself, I know they have to do more episodes, so Michael's not going to die right now. But I was like, this is crazy. When she does get up, I thought that was cool. That like, first thing she does is to check if there's life. So she's checking to see if the mission worked. Oh, I thought the first thing she did was puke. Well, that's not, a, yes, that was involuntary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> first thing she does is puke clear liquid. And yes. then when she stood up, she checks to see if there's life in the in the galaxy, and there is, and she has a huge celebration over that. And I thought that was nice. It was a that was what the last what two hours of of season two were all about was this struggle to have life remain. And while we know that it went on because of the epilogue to the final episode, you know, taking it from Michael's perspective, she just goes into the wormhole and is hoping that it works out. Mm. So I get it. Then she tries to contact Discovery, and surprise, surprise, no dice. Uh, but she does figure out it's the year 3188. It's the, it's the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I did love how they gave the the actual like year yes. versus a star date, because that, that was obviously for us. That was so we know she went 930 years in the future. We can figure it out. You know, we kind of have a sense of how long it's been, because then they start throwing other numbers at us and things like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, she just before the wormhole closes, she's able to send the suit back so that Spock gets the signal and then self-destructs it. It's said it's a self-destruct once it goes back. And so it worked. She's trying to pull herself together because she has like a little sort of a breakdown, but uh, she's like repeating her her rank and name and the call sign and the serial number of discovery so that she can get her stuff together. And then she sees the other wreck and she walks towards it. And that's when we get the new credits. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, because I'm a nerd, I wrote down all the things that are new in the credits. I did too. I did too. This I is, figure you, you wouldn't miss yeah. anything, but like I wrote down when I thought it was cool. I may have done, but I, I, I just wanted to make sure I had everything. Well, let's see. The first new thing is the drones robots, which did not show up in this episode. So I'm curious where they show up. Yep. The there's a new phaser. They show you like the old phaser and then it comes apart and becomes a new shaped phaser. Yep. There is the ship that turns into Book's ship. Yep. Right? That was cool. Uh, I don't know if this was new because I was too lazy to go back and check, but the live long and prosper sign, is there always a weird tattoo in the palm? I didn't see the tattoo before, but I'm sure I saw that before. That that was always there, but this time there was like a, little silhouetted tattoo in the palm. I must have missed that. And so I feel like that's like an Easter egg of some sort. Mm. It's very hard to uh, to figure out. And then there's the new badges. Yes, the new Starfleet and insignia. I, the, new, the, new, the new ovular. Now we got to get new badges. Mm. Yeah, I know. I'm assuming those are badges. Swap but yeah. Yeah. Um, those are all the new things I saw in the credits, and I was delighted. Yes. Michael comes upon book ship, and first contact is violent yes <laughs> because i think book thinks yeah book thinks he's trying to steal his ship or whatever uh as we later find out about this whole courier system which i which i describe as the craigslist slash amazon of the future uh and so there's a big fight it's sort of a misunderstanding book thinks he's out to, to get him and she's just trying to get help and he's he really doesn't want to know her name, which is also very interesting. He's like, just don't even tell me. It's a lot of stuff where he's like, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like he's you know wash himself of like responsibility or age. He said, I do not want to make your acquaintance. Yes, very old fashioned dialogue. <clears throat> yes, and a little British. Was a little British. Yes, it's funny because I've seen him act in. I'm sure it was like a CW thing, and he had this awful Cockney accent. And it was so bad, I thought it was an American doing it. And it turns out he's just really, really British. 
Well, that tickled me. Well, I mean, if, like, <laughs> if you were yeah. not, like, even if I tried to do a Cockney accent, I don't think it would go well. Yeah, like, I can't do a, like, uh, you know. You could do Jack Sparrow very well, but I'm not sure about anything else. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm some, let alone UK, I'm saying, you know, regionally <laughs> here in America, there are things I, True. there are accents I shouldn't try mm. that would come off really terrible. I can think of a few, but we needn't go down that road. Okay, so he calls her phaser an antique. And then he mentions, there's a lot of stuff that he drops that I guess the idea is that we feel like this is the future. A lot of stuff has happened. You need to catch up. Because we, do, I do feel a little bit lost yeah. in some of these things. But I didn't want to Google and like spoil. I don't want to spoil the surprise for myself. But like when he says like... Uh, uh, that her trilithium, trilith- tritanium alloy suit is weird. Apparently, that's a new thing. Uh, calling the phaser uh, an antique. Uh, <clears throat> later on the ship, uh, he's mentioning all the ways that he basically can't make his rendezvous. <laughs> and I wrote those down. Let's see. He can't fly the quantum slipstream. I'm not sure if that was like futuristic phraseology for warp. Hmm. So warp was always, I thought was always considered like a warp bubble. Yeah. That then allows you to travel faster than the speed of light. Like it's kind of like a, a, a micro, micro wormhole of some sort. But the quantum slipstream, and they also showed warp very different or whatever he's flying once he gets mm-hmm. that lithium, very different than when like Discovery is doing it or, yeah. or other ships in the past. But he says tachyon solar cells. <laughs> he says those are too slow. And he says, don't even get me started about trilithium. So we had dilithium and trilithium. <laughs> dilithium, trilithium, quantum slipstreams, and obviously the tachyon solar sails are not going to work at all. So he needs the his whole crux is he's here running into Michael Cause's ship to break. He needs to make his rendezvous because he's got sensitive cargo that we know is stolen. And in order to make his rendezvous, he'll need to obtain some dilithium. And so he says the only way he can get dilithium is to trade it at the mercantile. Uh, Thus begins an adventure to the mercantile. But I do not want to skip over the introduction of quite possibly the most important new character in the series, (laughs) Grudge the Cat. Grudge the cat. I love yes. that. I love that little introduction. I actually, surprise, surprise, wrote it down. I did <laughs> too. That was my favorite. It's so great. Yes. Um, Michael says, you have a very large cat. <laughs> it was the delivery it, of it. It was the delivery of it. Because, well, he's like yelling at her. He's been very combative up to this point. And then suddenly he's like nestling, nestling with his cat. He's like nose to nose with his very rightfully large very large cat and she says you have a very large cat and he says yes she has a thyroid condition <laughs> which is ridiculous because it's the year 3188 remember uh and michael says does she have a name and he says grudge and she says because and he says one of my favorite lines of the episode she's heavy and all mine <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I also had another weird theory about this episode, but I'll talk about it later. All right. I don't know if it was like a little thing. So anyway, their plan is to go to the mercantile and trade one of Michael's antiques to obtain some dilithium. Or at least that's what Book tells Michael he plans to do. And so they're going to use her tricorder to get some trilithium. The dilithium. They leave the ship. He like has this. I really loved books like little thing. It's like a gold uh, compass that mm. appears in the air, like a circular keypad, and he like does Punches things some on numbers it. Numbers in it, and whatever. I'm into it, and uh, somehow Michael is able to understand how this works too. She's like, "Oh, your cargo is heat sensitive," <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, you you don't want anyone to know where it is because then he cloaks his whole ship, which yeah. is also we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. He has he has a a a well, that's oh, another theory. I don't know how many theories I want to give away right now. We should have probably like a, a theory corner. 
I should have a tin a tinfoil corner, especially for me because I'm <laughs> I'm spinning all my wheels. Uh, he cloaks his whole ship so they so they can go, and he doesn't have to worry about someone finding him. And they walk over land, and that's where we learn that Book's job is a courier, and what couriers do is carry things from the mercantile to the buyers, but they're only given enough um, dilithium to make the run to the buyer and back. And then, so their their existence is dependent upon the mercantile. It is, uh, if I was thinking of a good way to show an exploitative consumerist system, capitalist system, mm-hmm. I could not think of a better illustration of it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Is that they, he, he's like an Uber driver in space. Not given, like, barely given enough money if he owns the ship, they give him barely enough gas to run it to do the errands to barely make a living. Right. So we've gone from the Federation. This is also this where we find out the Federation has collapsed. We've gone from the Federation, which is like, it's all about bettering yourself. And money doesn't you know? exist. There's no... Money doesn't exist, yeah. To now what it seems like a, a planet-spanning uh, quasi-stock market antiques buy and sell you know i don't know how to describe it it seems like very well mercantilist for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. so anyway i thought that was interesting that that's that's the dystopian they didn't go for like he kills people and wears their flesh as a cape you know like that wasn't the dystopian future for the federation a dystopian future is you know people working for paychecks uh Okay, where was I? <laughs> I I almost kapla cornered just then. Uh, all right, so this is where Book tells Michael that the Federation is gone and explains what the burn is. Yes. So we get some clues as to what the burn is. We do. Uh, it's the burn, based on what Book tells us, happened a hundred to one hundred and twenty years previous. Mm-hmm. So sometime before. Yes. So that was seven hundred and ten years after Michael left. Yes. And uh, we get some other information. Uh, that's later, other information. So yeah, about 700 years, give or take, after Michael left. Um, and the Federation collapsed a little bit after that. Yes. And basically the burn was that someday, for some inexplicable reason, most of the dilithium in the galaxy went, quote, boom, which I think means exploded, meaning that the warp cores of every warp-capable ship in the galaxy exploded, uh, killing uncount- uncountable number. I can't even think of how many people that would countless. be. Countless. Countless, yes, that's the number. <laughs> killing countless people. That's what I was trying to say. Mm. Um, and so Book tells her that the Federation now is like occasionally someone will get up on their high horse in one of the like access points or crossover places or whatever space stations and they'll be wearing the badge and they'll be going on and on about honor and vision and the whatever they're true believers they're considered sort of like yahoo uh you know knights out of their time you know anachronistic throwbacks who can't get over the fact that the federation is gone uh, so that's the situation with the Federation, as far as we know. And so Book tells her, hey, so just take out that badge before we get to Requiem. And then we get a beautiful shot of Requiem, which is like this crazy city. And then a floating above it is a ship or sideways mall. I thought that was describe. the thing. And then you're walking into it and it was this. Yeah, that's 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 the mercantile. Yeah. And then I think the city is beneath it, right? Yeah. There's like a whole city beneath the mercantile. Anyway, I thought it was cool. And there's like a long bridge you have to walk to get to the mercantile. So they get there and it's like, it's basically like a flea market kind Mm -hmm. of vibe, except a thousand years from now. What do you think? The closest thing I've seen to it on screen was Galaxy Quest. No, not Galaxy Quest, sorry. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes, totally. Okay. When you know there's all these antiques and things and different kinds yeah, of aliens the, the, and yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. The collector's collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was this had that vibe. We do get our first view of uh 
Andorians and Orions. And the Andorians have a little bit extra facial geometry happening in uh, Discovery here. They're not just, they don't just have blue over their, blue powder over their <laughs> faces. Uh, the Andorians figured especially uh, prominent in the later seasons of Enterprise. And uh, you could always see like the pink around their eyelids and stuff. Anyway, I always thought that was funny. It's like, that's clearly just a man, not even in blue, blue man group makeup, just like blue makeup. Anyway, these Andorians are a little bit tougher and weirder looking, but they're still clearly Andorians. And Book has to like kind of help talk Michael into the city because they're not into her because she's not a courier. So I guess she's not technically allowed to be, if she's not a courier or a buyer, mm. she's not technically allowed to come into what I guess is Requiem, is the mercantile. Right. It's the city Requiem and the building they were in, the mercantile, or vice versa. I'm not sure. That's never clearly explained. No. It doesn't matter because in a matter of minutes, we'll be shooting this place Maybe up. it was the city of Requiem. That would make I, sense. I kind of assumed the mercantile was the thing floating above it, yeah. like, you know, Wall Street of Requiem. Sure. Whatever. Uh, we also get a first look here at some new cool future tech because when they see that Michael has some contraband on her, they're, I wrote, I just called them hand cannons because we haven't been given a name too. for them yet. I Is that what you wrote? Yeah, I wrote hand cannons. Arm cannons, yeah, actually, I think was what I arm said. Arm cannons, whatever. They like show up. They just kind of like, they're there all the time, I guess. Maybe it's, it's like Wolverine. Like, yeah, they like, <laughs> when you need them, they show up. It's so weird. I, we're going to need to dig into that. Uh, and anyway, they're able to talk Michael in and, uh, and that's when book explains the whole way that the mercantile works that like people buy and sell things holographically or come here and agree with the mercantile. And then the couriers are paid by the mercantile to go deliver them to the buyers. And so Michael, the, the deal here was that Michael would give him the tricorder so he could get his dilithium and he would show her where the subspace arrays were so she can try and contact Discovery. And then Book's like, oh, yeah, here's the subspace array right through here. And Michael's like, okay, deal's a deal. Here's the tricorder. And she's like, I hope you get what you need. And he's like, thanks. And then she walks forward to step, and then she, she gets the carbonite treatment. Mm. Well, she gets uh, stuck in a, quote, stasis beam. And Book is sort of like, hey, sorry, this is not, this is basically their jail. And uh, I got to go and I'm going to take your bag of antiquities because I need all the dilithium I can get to make my rendezvous. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Because he was like, sorry. sorry, But he was not really sorry. He wasn't really sorry. And Michael also says, when I got to get out of here, I'm I'm coming coming for for you. you. Uh, Okay. Well, now begins really wonderful part of the episode because this is when Michael gets interrogated by the Andorian and the Orion and they're like a they're doing a bit already they're like a <laughs> bickering two weird jailers I don't really get what they yeah, they're like those. the odd couple but aliens yes they're like two two crime bosses or CEOs that have to share a company but kind of hate each other anyway they can't get anything out of Michael, and so they drug her. They, like, send a drone through into her cell to spray her in the face, and she starts tripping balls. Oh, it's it's crazy. It's good. It's super great. <clears throat> uh, Sneaker Martin Green was so good in this because Michael is so serious Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, and this was the first time she got to cut loose and do her Tilly impression, which is great. Yeah, when she references Tilly, and that's where we're like, she oh, does. remember that yeah. time when Tilly was at the sort of strip club type place? Yes, exactly. And got high. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in, in the Klingon black marketplace. Yes, that was Where it. she did drugs. Where she... <laughs> uh, all right, so it's supposed to get Michael to talk, and from what we can see, she at least it's implied, because we kind of go away from her and see that book is is kind of, uh, he's failing to be able to move Michael's antiquities to get anything and then eventually gets caught up to by Cosmo. Uh, when we come back to Michael, she's basically telling the interrogators, yeah, and I gave, we gave everything away so we could save the planet. And that's why we did it. So it seems like she told them the whole story. 
right? Yes. That's my assumption. Yes. Is that maybe it's confusing, but she told the whole story. Mm. She also said, quote, so basically, quote, I saved all the things, <laughs> which also was super great. Uh, but she does tell them that she ran into Book. And so they go, oh, Book. So they, they want Book's cargo. So Book is, meanwhile, getting the snot kicked out of him by Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Cosmo is not only beating the crap out of Book, he's also saying that he's going to feed grudge to people on his planet, which <laughs> is the only thing Book seems to take exception with. <laughs> he says, keep your name out of her mouth. And then he says, <laughs> when he says she shall feed a whole planet, Book says she's a queen. Uh, okay, so as a cat owner, I I relate to Book. Uh so, see, that's where I missed it, because I thought he was talking about the cargo. I, I was wondering, as I rewatched it, maybe that was true. Because it would make more, because the cargo itself is pretty huge. That's why I was like, oh, that would be the planet. And, and they do want to eat it. Right. Right? That's what we so found that's out where, That's end. why I thought it. I did, like, I could see why if he took exception, if it was grudge. But that's yeah. why I thought it was the cargo. But I think that Cosmo is saying, like, <clears> you know, I'm going to take grudge and I'm going to feed her to the... Because I don't think he he wasn't planning on doing anything with the worm because he's he was the the actual slated courier for the worm. He was the official courier for oh, the worm. Oh yeah, fair. And book steals worm. Anyway, we sort of get that. Got it. That. that makes more sense. Anyway, the interrogators show up with Michael and they stop Cosmo from beating the crap out of Book. Excuse me. But when Michael arrives and Book is like, hey, what's up? Michael immediately punches him directly in the face. And uh, Cosmo wants to shoot Book, but he's not supposed to have weapons inside the mercantile. And then they're like, can I shoot him anyway? Because he stole from me. And they say, well, first we need to find his cargo. And then Book says, well, okay, can I at least shoot her? Pointing the gun at Michael. And at the same time, They've been surrounded by other Andorians and hench people. Yes, so they do. Michael gives them a very drunk one. <laughs> it's great. I had to watch it a couple of times. Like, what was that? But, yeah, she's like, having a, a ah. yeah. Looks like she's was having a giant done. facial tick. Yes, and then Book is like, he's on board, and then they uh, get to uh, kicking butt. They like take down, you know, do the classic Star Trek back to back. Two people fighting a group of people. You grab their guns. Now you've got guns. You, she's got a hand cannon. He's got a hand cannon. They're cannoning. And then they go hide behind some cover. And Michael is still super high. So she's like, Do you think I have a, like, uh, do you think I'm over, <laughs> what did she say? I'm overcompensating. <laughs> uh, and he's like, What? Do they give you that stuff? And she's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's two cute moments for Michael that I really loved in that fight that were just reactions that she had. One was when Book just snaps the neck of that Andorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember Michael is just like, she goes like, what? Huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh, like, ooh, I'm going to tell. And then when he uses what I'm calling the pulse weapon. Oh, that was so cool. It was so cool. It's like a little blue thing and it like opens up or something and it just bursts and just pushes people by like kinetic energy. And Michael basically leads out and goes, what? Uh, I just love that she was just completely, it was a super adventure for her. Yeah. Plus being uh, high as a kite. High as a kite. This is what I mean. It was very hijinxy. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't... Uh, it had you're right, it had a very Star Warsy feel because this was like just panic in the marketplace and you know, a bar fight essentially. Yeah. Uh but during that fight, Michael does see some dilithium. So she like goes over through all the phaser fire <laughs> and just starts putting it in her bag. And then Book tries to get it from her, and she's like, You gotta help me get to the comms array. That's the only way I'm gonna give you this dilithium. And then they get pulsed mm-hmm. and pushed over tables. And then trapped behind a force field. And the book's like, hold on. And then he does the uh, transport on them. Because now in the future, there are transportable transport doors? It I was, don't know what you would call it. It, felt, it was a bit like Harry Potter. 
you can just transport yourself yeah. somewhere. But you gotta let, you have to let it recharge every thirty yeah. seconds. <laughs> uh, it was actually I think Michael calls them portable transporters. But any way you describe something that's a transporter that also you carry with you is going to sound redundant. Mm. And have a transporting a transporter like a, or a transportable transporter. It's almost like a cell phone. Like so, I was like yeah. maybe a cell port porter. Cell port. It's a cell porter. It's cell transcellular. 5G. So uh, anyway, he transports them to a ledge and he's like, she's like, what the what? And then she punches him again. And then she's like, you need to help me get to an array. But then they're being followed by more henchmen. So then they fight the henchmen and then they transport again. And then the henchmen follow them again. And then they, I think they transport one more time. Yes. And they're followed one more time. And then they're on a rooftop, a cliff, cliff top, and they're followed again. And Michael's like, we got to go. And he's like, it's going to take 30 seconds to recharge. So they take cover behind a rock. And Michael says, like, I punched you in the nose. I'm sorry about that. And he's like, you're saying that because you think we're going to die? And she's like, yup. And he's like, oh, okay, let me figure something out. And he opens up his green circular thing and he types something. And then Michael gets shot in the arm. Mm. Important, an important narrative moment. And then Book turns to her and says, uh, you're going to be very mad. And this is so Han Solo, so Han Solo, Star Star yeah, Wars was, the Max. Yep. She's like, "What?" And he's like, "Here we go!" And then he pulls. They both jump off. He like yanks her off a cliff, and they transport <laughs> as they're falling off the cliff into uh, the water, which apparently you can't follow. You can't be tracked if you transport into water or into solid material. Why? Sure. I don't know why you would want to... Well, maybe it's in a cave, possibly. I assume that's when it's like a completely covered over Mm. cave. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway, uh, they get to land, and Book's like, we did it. We got away. They can't track us. And he turns around and Michael punches him a third and final time. Uh, He does have a nice shiner at the end of this episode, to be fair. Yeah, well, she's punched him dead yeah, on. Sucker punched him three times. Every time he's gotten hit, he's been turning towards her like to say something. <laughs> Which, anyway, I just love that about Michael. Uh, so uh, we cut to Book with his shirt off. Uh, hey, what's up? Got to dry off and stuff. I'm Book. I'm super hot. Hey, how's it going? I got a British accent, but whatever. I'm from space. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, and Michael's like, oh, I've been shot in a long time. And he's like, oh, shit. I talked to plants and stuff. Check this out. And he, like, gets down on his knees in front of the water and he, like, does some, uh, like, sort of like a chanting thing and his forehead glows and then a beautiful glistening plant grows out of the water and then it, he squeezes some, like, space aloe vera from the plant into Michael's hand and he's like, that's going to help you up not getting infected this is how i think sexy book talks when he gets into sexy mode. i'm just wondering if this is how your toys used to talk to each other when you were a, a little boy yeah of course i did all the voices yeah. <laughs> these are the same voices <laughs> i've been doing for 35 years <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> uh okay so uh she she's able to use some of this balm in the wound which apparently is good, will help him from not getting infected. And then she's like, I should still wrap it. And then Book literally has a handkerchief. Come on. Yeah. And then Brooke has a handkerchief, shirt off, talks to plants, handkerchief. All right, Cleveland. So uh, <laughs> he wraps her thing and they talk for a bit. And he allows her to use his little, he's got his little device. It's like, it's like a razor. And he's like, oh, this has a bunch of stuff in it. This has a, a subspace comms array. You can try to contact your, your ship this way. And even though she's able to send out the call a few times, there's no response from Discovery. So uh, this is also when Book lets on. And he's like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have a pretty good feeling you're a time traveler because you don't know anything about anything. You don't know about the burn. You don't know about... Uh, the mercantile and all the stuff. And also this is when he says that all time travel technology was destroyed after the temporal wars. Mm. Yes. Mm. The temporal wars. Now 
I have too much self-respect to admit how many times I've watched Enterprise, but most of Enterprise's first season and some of the last season is about this temporal war that goes on. But I don't think they ever go this far into the future. But I know that there was a temporal war thing and they tried to destroy it. Anyway, I thought that was a weird callback to Enterprise. And all I'm saying is, I hope we don't, whatever. I have a lot of, there's a time when Captain Archer goes super, super far into the future for like an hour. And that would be super weird. That could also be the burn. That's a theory that I said I wasn't going to share with anybody. But look, here I am telling you the truth. There's a thing where the entire Starfleet gets blown up a little bit at the end of Enterprise. And he's able to change that from having happened. Do you remember that? I'm not sure if I ever got to the end of Enterprise because it it just lost me. Well, good on you. You you have true self-worth. I tried. I just couldn't do it. He and like a crew member of his who's in Section 31 from the future have to save all humanity. But they, instead of doing it over the course of an entire season, do it uh, in like 25 minutes with like copper. Okay, so there were temporal wars too. Hey, that's a surprise. I guess that's something we're going to have to dig into. Anyway, after all that, Book finally puts a shirt on and they decide to go back to the ship. And once they get there, they are ambushed. They are surrounded by henchmen and the two main baddies from uh, the mercantile. And they're they're like, yeah, we got you now. We got your ship. And they like uncloak it. And they're like, yeah, uh, what do we need this other courier for if you can't even hold on to your stuff from this other courier? And that's when they kill Car- uh, kill Cosmo, I guess? I can't tell if these guns kill people or not because they kind of turn into like weird dust. I guess they But I assume they they're do. dying. Yeah, yeah, I thought so, that. So a lot of people died in this episode. They either, they either uh, die or got eaten. Oh, yeah. Those, they dead. They dead. Uh, they dead. Um. I just looked this up and I forgot because two of the henchmen were the species that Morin is from D Space Nine. I need to Google it. Can we? Can I Google that? You absolutely may. You can Google that. He is a Lurian. I just looked this up two days ago. Anyway, they, 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 it's. The Andorian, the uh, Orion, Cosmo, who gets immediately destroyed, and like three or four Lurians. And those are the henches. And so they they get the code from Book, and the code is sticky. And this is when he gets very, very uh, British to me. No? They say, why is that? The, he said, what kind of code is that? And he says, because that's the code. He, he basically only left out the word mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh. When it's your ship, you make up your own code. Yeah. Well, they said, like, what kind of code is that? He goes, because that's the code. <laughs> when it's your ship, you make up that's your own the code, mate. Man. And I was like, because that's the code, man. That's very sounded. It sounded very. A bit more street. Very a little bit more street. Very, quite, uh, yeah. I felt like I was listening to like garage music or something. Mm. Did I say it right? Okay. I would know what garage music is. Hey, I thought you were the expert on. Uh, Turn of the Millennium trip hop from the UK. No, no UK trip hop. Turn no, of the no, 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 no. Neither am I. Okay, why are we talking about it? So they open up the thing and it's some kind of worm and they wake it up by shooting like a warning shot to see that if, if it's alive and it becomes clear that this, this worm is some sort of delicacy that they don't want to kill or shoot because it's best eaten fresh. And then as the worm starts to stir, Book tells Michael, hey, close your eyes. And they do. And then the worm turns around and it's got super weird psychedelics. And it puts everybody in a weird trance. And then it jumps out of the cargo bay and it eat, proceeds to eat uh, at least two of the hedges. Yeah. And then the last three run because they don't want to be... They're eaten in like a bite. Like literally just consumed. And then... uh. Once it's done and Michael and Booker are, ce- are celebrating, it comes over to Michael and swallows her as well. 
<laughs> and then Book does his sexy thing with his glowing forehead. And it's, he's like, hey, come on. Also, apparently this, this uh, trans worm's name is Molly. Because when it goes for Michael, he says, Molly, no. Oh, I miss Molly. Did you catch that? No, I did not. I missed that. <laughs> he says, Molly, no. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Book is able to get Molly to spit Michael out. And then Michael says, you know, basically, this has been one of the strangest days of my life. So, so then they get back on his ship. They get on the ship and they're in the slipstream, I guess. Yes. Quantum slipstream. And finally, Book says, oh, I think I know someone who might be able to help you. Oh, that's later. That's once they deliver the worm on the ship. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they deliver the we worm find out. We find out about Book and that he comes from a family of like poachers and hunters or killers. You say killers? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Killers and poachers. And that he, every couple generations, someone like him is born who's like a balance of some sort. He's no longer welcome within his family. And uh, Michael's like realizes that or learns that Book has been saving these worms for the last few years. Like that's what he's been doing. So that's why he's a smuggler. Yeah, I'm Book. I'm a smuggler with article. That's right. I had clothes and I take my shirt off and I save people. I talk to plants. I talk to worms and I save worms for the good of humanity. And I'm so great. Anyway, so that's Book. Everyone loves him. And then they arrive at Sanctuary, and we find out that his real name is Cleveland Booker, and they get the transworms back just in time for the breeding cycle. And it's basically a micro version of uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, the fourth one. Yes. Was that where they the have whales? to get the humpback whales. Yeah. <laughs> the Journey Home? Is that what that was called? Uh, okay. So then Booker is like, hey, I do have someone who might be able to help you. Yeah. And he takes her to what used to be an old Fed relay station, but is now like a courier hangout point or something. And we are brought into the room we saw at the very top of the episode. And uh, Michael introduces herself. And the man who was with the bird that wakes him up, who sits behind the desk waiting for a signal every day, introduces himself. His name is Aditya Sahil, and he is the Federation liaison. Mm -hmm. And Michael says, I'm Commander Burnham. I'm here to find Disco. You need, I need your help. He goes, that's what I'm here for. It would be my honor to serve you, Commander. They open up the thing. They scan. There's only two ships that are Federation, apparently, within that Scanning radius, you can only scan over 600 light-year radius because long-range centers died a few decades ago, I guess. Mm. Uh, so it, all the anyone else who's out there is also going to be cut off longer than long-range sensors can scan. So Discovery could be there, but outside of sensor range, or because it was behind her in the time wormhole, they may not have arrived yet, and therefore it could be there within seconds, the next day, or in a thousand years. So as Michael is mourning the fact that she may never see any of her friends again, Sahil says, uh, uh, listen, I have a secret for you. I was never sworn in. My father was an actual commissioned officer, and his father was a commissioned officer, but I never was sworn in by anybody because there was no one around to swear me in. Uh, and so I just took up the job. I've been doing this for 40 years, waiting for someone to walk through that door from Starfleet who needed my help, who needed me to be the liaison. And today is that day. And you are that person. And I want to thank you for that. And also here in this box is a flag of the United Federation of Planets and only a commissioned officer can hang it up. And so would you do me the honor of doing that? And Michael says, you show more duty than any other commissioned officer I've ever seen would you do me the honor of becoming our acting communications chief and helping me hang this flag and then they hang the beautiful flag and it's got the little, little laurels and the planets and Sahil says hope is a powerful thing and Michael says sometimes it's the only thing and then Sahil says our numbers are few but our spirit is undiminished and Michael vows she will find others if they are out there. And that is the end of season three, episode one. I got so nerdy that my nose is clogged up. Now. I know. I was thinking of you suddenly got a cold. 
No, my my uh, my. This is just how my uh, sinuses react to hyper nerd excitement. Oh, I see. This is how I sounded all through high school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you poor nerd. Yeah. One thing I thought was quite cool that we hadn't quite touched on because we didn't get there, but please, um, was where it was filmed. I actually guessed correctly. Did you guess where it's where filmed? Was it? No, I had no idea. Where? Iceland. Which of makes course. sense. All those beautiful it, vistas. Yeah, with the vol- like the volcanic vistas. So yes. It's essentially a giant volcano of an island with and yeah. the warm mm-hmm. hot springs as well. Right. And then right. so half of it, I think a lot of it was filmed in Iceland and a lot of it was filmed in Canada. So I think the big bit with the oh. lake and where the ship yeah. was, I think, was Canada. And then where the volcano bit was and more of the kind yeah. of rocky terrain was... Um, yeah, where they're running Iceland. and fighting and all this stuff. That yeah. probably was all Iceland. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Also uh, announced today that uh, season four has been, has been publicly confirmed and yeah. begins shooting at the end of November. Uh, I, we don't have a section for this, but I feel like we should probably have a section of the podcast that is just like what trek, do you think trek news oh that's a good one yeah what do you think well yeah trek news trek news is a good one because we've often been blindsided by it <laughs> <laughs> but also i have some i have some weird theories of, from just watching this episode i don't know if you have any strange theories about how this this season may go you know i got so wrapped up in all of the new things that i saw things but I didn't, I wasn't able to focus on them because of all of the new information and new things that were coming at me. Yeah. I, no, I agree. It was only in the second watching that I was started to be like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. The second watching was when I noticed that when like she flew through like what looked like a broken ship. Yes. And I was like, yeah. oh, I wonder what that was. Well, you had the wherewithal to check and see if you could see the registry. Mm. I didn't even think to do that. One thing I did notice was, I think in the one of the, the early scenes where, Michael and Book were having a fight. He said something about the Gorn. Yes. He said that the Gorn uh, destroyed two light years worth of subspace. Yeah. So yeah. I was curious. I And I don't remember anything even referential to that in past tracks, but I'd have to think. Mm. Uh, to the Gorn destroying, to destroying two years worth, it would have to have been after the latest... The latest, the furthest into the future Star Trek goes is Voyager, uh, or maybe Picard. Picard no. Yeah, Picard is the furthest yeah. into the future here to here to four. Yeah, uh, and I don't think anyone's mentioned anything about Gorn, so I don't know when that would have happened. And I mean, the Gorn we know, but we know in terms Gorn, of them though. like destroying uh, subspace, that was a weird thing. Yeah, there was so much. There's so much being dropped. About what's happened in the 930 years since she's been gone, uh, and none of it are we. None of it's something we're familiar with. No one's like, "Oh yeah," and then Picard did this. Mm. You know, no one's like, "Janeway killed all the Borg." It's all uh, literally ancient history. Yeah, because that was literally 890 years ago. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, that was interesting. I have a very bizarre theory. I'm almost ashamed to share it. Please do. Great. And then we can look back in a few episodes. Yeah, I'll be very embarrassed. And mock you. But I, I, I have a strong suspicion, apart from the fact that he, I think that book is not merely human. No. But I think, and this is this is crazy, I go back and forth about it. I think he's like Klingon. Oh, like an evolved Klingon. Yeah. He has forehead ridges, except they light up. They're not like pronounced bone protrusions because maybe he is, and he describes his people as killers slash poachers and that he's born, he's like a genetic difference. uh, And that, uh, you know, he's connected to all life. He doesn't kill or whatever. It just seems like, well, he did kill that guy pretty. Then he does kill pretty badassedly. Also, the language that he's speaking sounds a bit, it could be anything, but Mm. it does have a bit of like a, it's like Klingon met 
uh, like <laughs> Esperanto. It's got a very, there's some Klingonness to it. I mean, there's only so many sounds a human mouth can make. This is how I, this is how I've been, this is what I've been thinking for the last 24 hours. He may not be a Klingon at all, but it would be cool if he was a Klingon and they tried to hide the fact he doesn't have brown ridges because that's how he's developed. Also because he's like a, he's like an aberration, you know. Interesting theory. But with a name like Cleveland Booker. It doesn't really sound It doesn't seem like he could be a Klingon at all. Doesn't have to be a real name though. True. Does not have to be. And he calls his cat Grudge. I don't know. There's obviously, there's more to Cleveland Booker than meets the eye. It's curious, though, that we saw, so like in the mercantile, we saw the Andorians. And what was the other race that we're familiar with? Uh, the Orions. The Orions. We didn't see Romulans. We didn't see Vulcans. Yeah, Romulans, Vulcans, humans, Bajorans. Bajorans, yep. We barely, saw, we barely saw any humans. I don't think we saw any humans. No. We saw the group that were very human-looking in Sanctuary at the end. Mm-hmm. But those might have been books. But they weren't surprised people. to see Michael. Do you know what I mean? True. True. No one was freaked out to see Michael. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there were any humans in the Merkin. I would have to look at the background characters to see if there were any other humans walking about. None stood out. Definitely none had any prominent uh, roles. But we also don't know where she is in the sector. You know, we're still still kind of Well, she thinks she's a Terralesium. That was where she thought she was meant to pop out. That's where she was. Those were the coordinates she was looking for, Mm. or she had planned. But the planet is called Hema. Hema. And uh, I had closed captioning on, so it's apparently spelled Hema. But I think that's just so that you really hit the M. Hema. Hema. And... uh, if it's Terralesium, then they have abandoned all the, like, uh, no technology stuff and have decided to open up the Mercantile. I don't know. It's confusing. It's very confusing. Uh, and it's great. I'm so glad. Uh, quotable moments? Quotable moments. We could rebrand and you could do that one. That would sound cooler. Quotable moments. We could do that. Oh. <laughs> like an early 90s yeah, holiday sitcom. coffee jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's the theme of our of our show. That is basically the so nostalgia for the 90s. It sounds like something off Charles in Charge. It does. Do, 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 do. That actually would be like Charles a perfect little and then charge, charge of our days. Anyway, quotable moments. Quotable moments. Mine was, whilst you find yes. your notes, mine was, you have a very large cat. Beautiful. I mean, it. I, I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was a good line. It was a great line. And it was levity. Michael, it was the first, you yes. know, probably the first time we'd seen that sort of introduction yes. of levity from Michael. Certainly... For a while, you know, her last few days have been just gut-wrenching everywhere. Hasn't been a lot of laughs, and now she hasn't found her friends. Anyway, I loved that moment, and I love Grudge the Cat. And I'll come out. I don't care who knows it. Uh, Well, obviously, uh, Aditya's speech at the end is profound. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. But I will uh, honorable mention to um, Michael when she is high and she's still being interrogated and she's kind of spinning out. And then she's like, well, what's the deal with me? Why am I overcompensating? She says, I need to talk to somebody about this. Can you sit? It's a super cool story. It's just in a completely devastating way. (laughs) (laughs) Really good way to sum up the last two seasons. And then for our big Star Trek, you know, end of this, end of the episode speech, you got uh, Sahil. Uh, I'm not a commissioned officer. You see, my father was his father before him. But unlike them, I was never officially sworn in. There has been no one here to do it. Yet, I watch this office every day as I have for 40 years, believing one day others like me would walk through that door that my hope was not in vain. Well, today is that day, and that hope is you, Commander Burnham. I mean, and that's what gives us the title 
the episode. That is the quote. That is the best one. That is that is the quote. And that is the episode. And that is the episode. And that is our episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Next time on set. Do we know? We don't know, but I'm listen, it's a pretty good guess because this one is called That Hope Is You Part One. That this this next episode will be called that part is that hope is you part two, indeed. But who knows? Who who knows? I think I looked it up and it wasn't, and I thought that's odd. Oh, that seems strange. Well, they could be Thurgus for a loop. I also forgot to mention that I there's like been two Beatles quotes in the episode so far, Mm. and I wondered if there were more that I didn't see. But I thought she's heavy is an interesting one, and also when Michael asked Book to help her, she says please. Please help me. Okay. It's, so it's, it is in fact called Far From Home. I don't know where the part two is. What? Yeah. Odd. I did look that up earlier and I thought that's weird. Well, maybe we'll it's... let you know next week on Set Phasers what happens with uh, the names of these episodes because they definitely are dropping the line with this part one business. Uh, but in any case, all of those of you watching and all of these you listening, thank you so much for joining Steph and I. If you enjoy this program, you can catch us every Friday live on Facebook at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or as a podcast dropping every Monday wherever podcasts come from. And if you like it, please rate and subscribe it. Indeed, please do that. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Set Phasers Podcast, so feel free to follow us and join in a conversation of all things Trek. We would love it. We love to hear from you. Yes, and if you want to support us on our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. And our next watch party, our next Netflix watch party Woo! is uh, November the 1st, I believe. That so sounds, sounds right. right. Yeah, so it's a Sunday at 4 p.m. And to join, you must be a set phasers patron. And you can join for as little as, is it five bucks, two or five bucks? I forget. I believe it's five. five bucks. Lo- I think so. It might be two. I don't know. We an- had a long discussion about this we, months ago. We did. If you want to be an ensign in our pa- ensign. Patreon... Uh, yes. Please join us there. Um, anyway, yes. until next time, I am Steph Mans. And I am Aki Burmese. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Hmm?